Welcome to Book of Boredom Podcast, Roasting Saints Edition with Jones. Yep. It's good to be doing this again because it's definitely been a couple of months. Yeah, it has. Like October, I think. Have you grown a moustache? Yeah, I did. I was bored. Looks good. I don't know about that. Towards the end of October, I noticed that I hadn't shaved any and I was like, oh, there's actually stuff growing up there. So I was like, oh, what the fuck? And I don't mind the mustache except for when I'm drinking something out of a cup. And then my upper lip gets wet. And I'm like, oh my fuck. I hate it. And apparently my upper lip gets more involved in drinking than I realize. So it gets sopping wet and, you know, being autistic. You focus on other things. Yeah, I focus on everything and little things. And they really bug me. But I think I finally maybe got used to it. Then again, there's some days where I'm like, I'm going to shave this fucking thing off. My wife's like, no, I'm getting used to it. I think I like it now. Fuck. (laughs) That adds an air of distinction. Well, kind of, but like you probably can't see it in this image. I have three different hair colors in this thing. Oh. Red, blonde, and I have white. It's like a goddamn calico cat on my upper lip. (laughs) It looks, there's no rhyme or reason to where the hair is growing. You know, sometimes I like it and other times I'm like, oh, fucking drive me nuts. It's Sandy. Yeah, Sandy, Calico, diseased looking. I don't know. No. It's very spotty. My brother-in-law is a cop and he, about a year and a half ago, decided to grow a very stereotypical cop mustache. Oh. And I gave him so much shit about it (laughs) and teased him incessantly about it. And then, of course, they came down here to Utah for Thanksgiving. My wife was like, he's going to give you grief. And I'm like, maybe. And then to top it off, he didn't say a fucking thing. What a gentleman. (laughs) Well, my baby sister, who was really looking forward to him giving me shit, was like, why aren't you making fun of my brother? Why aren't you teasing him? He's like, I don't know. Now, how did Thanksgiving go? Because I believe we discussed on an earlier episode that for the first time a lot of the joneses were spending it together well yeah mom and dad just finally came back to the mainland after living in hawaii for nine and a half years this would not have been quiet this year no no i definitely was high (laughs) right that was the only way i was gonna fucking make it through good plan yeah i take edibles because they help right it's medication yes exactly we went over there the day before thanksgiving and both days i was like nope i'm dosing myself up i'm not gonna deal with this and my mom and my sister like you're doing pretty well handling you're engaging and you're having conversations (laughs) almost like a normal person like yeah because i'm fucking high all of her prayer has paid off and it's like no "No, oh my god The nice thing is is that my mother has come to the realization, I'm just much better off not a woman. Like, I used to be angry all the time. I used to be pissed. Angry Jones. Oh, yeah. I was furious. Everything would set me off. My fuse was microscopic. There's been two major factors that changed that. Mm. And one was leaving the church. Yeah. I was forcing myself to go to church, even though I didn't believe it. I didn't feel it. And later on, I was like, this is wrong. What this church is doing is wrong. But my wife says, I have to go to this. I remember getting mad sitting there in yeah. church services, not believing. Oh my God, it made me furious. You just got to get out. It's not good for you. Yeah. And then the second thing, 
about a year later, was being diagnosed as autistic. Right. My wife has told me that I'm calmer. And then if I get set off about something, she can tell me, you're being autistic right now. You need to chill. Does that work? As long as I haven't gone too far. Right. <laughs> yes. If I'm in full blown meltdown, no, that'll just piss me off, which is why we've also set some checkpoints before I get to that. I need to step away from this situation, let go of it, stop trying to control it and go and recenter myself. I'll go to my room and play a video game. That's it. Or I'll go to my room and I'll take an edible. Yeah. Or I'll go on a walk or something. It used to be I didn't separate myself until I was too far gone. I was already, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. But now realizing that that's the way I'm going, if I veer off, then I can not be the grumpy Jones, which I was for many years. And that's what my dad was. Makes sense. You inherited that gene or whatever. It's the Jones autism. He would work 70, 80 hours a week. Oh, Jesus Christ. I couldn't do that. How does anyone work 80 hours a it had to do with this type of job my dad had. He worked by himself for the phone company. Oh. He would go out to buildings all around the northern two-thirds of Arizona. Wow. Maintain it, fix stuff. So he was by himself all the time. Autistic's paradise. Yeah, basically. He was by himself. He didn't have chaos in it because it was just him and the machines and he knew what they were supposed to be doing. Right. But anyways, when he would be home, he'd be mad or angry. Or he would be yeah. out in the backyard or in the garage, you know, working on something because that's how he handled it. What was it that was making him angry when he was around his family, do you think? Sensory overload. Yeah. My dad's not an asshole. No, clearly not. It's not that he doesn't love me and my sisters. Yeah. And it's not that I don't love my wife and my children. Yeah. It's that they make too much fucking noise and their <laughs> actions are not consistent and the more people you have in a situation the more chaos is introduced into that system and they're random number generators the autistic brain just goes i can't handle this fuck you i melt down but yes thanksgiving was nice it was good thanksgiving was thankfully nice thanks to edibles <laughs> that's wonderful and then the day after thanksgiving me and my wife went out with my baby sister and her husband to a sushi restaurant okay and like a dumbass i didn't take an edible no and so I go in there and it's fucking crowded. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. So I was like, headphones, loud music. Sorry, sis. Not going to do a lot of engaging. Yeah. Did try three different sakis. Oh, nice. My wife tried it and she's like, I don't like it. I was like, yeah. It's lighter fluid, isn't it? I'd rather just have a soda. I don't like it enough to deal with having to go to a state-owned store to buy anything. <laughs> right. But it's nice making the decision not because some old white guy told her or some made-up code of conduct. It's because, eh, she doesn't like it. Right. Okay, that's cool. She still doesn't swear. That's fucking all right, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's enough swearing going around in my house with my kids and I. Well, I'm glad that Thanksgiving went okay with the whole family there. Yep. All right. Well, there's always something happening in Mormon news, isn't there? M. Russell Ballard died. Right. He's not related to Tim. Not related to Tim Ballard, but boy, howdy, did they get involved. If I was really into conspiracy theories, I'd be like, oh, I'm suspicious. What's going on there? The guy was old as fuck. He was 95. Yeah, exactly. Just like every other leader in the upper echelon, they are old as fuck. So... Having them die is not surprising. His name was Melvin. That's what the M stands for. For some reason, all the apostles have an initial. 
like M. Russell Valor, Russell M. Nelson. Right. Somebody at some point thought it sounded cool. The first major name that I can think of that that became a thing was Joseph F. Smith. <laughs> Stands for fucking. Not Joseph Smith who <laughs> made up Mormonism. Okay, there's Joseph F. Smith and there was Joseph Fielding Smith. One of them was the son of Hiram Smith, the brother to Joseph Smith. And one of them was the grandson to Hiram Smith, the brother of Joseph Smith. And both of them became prophets. That's not confusing at all. It's very confusing. In fact, there's a song, Mormon Children Sing, of the names of the prophets. And when it comes to that, it's Joseph F. Smith, don't forget the F. <laughs> Just to try and keep that shit straight. But anyways, ever since Joseph F. Smith, the leadership of the Mormon church really likes to use an initial in their name. And there doesn't seem to be any logic about whether the initial comes first or in the middle, right? It's always going to include the surname, but the initial could be anywhere else. Exactly. Probably because he went by Russell. When he became an apostle, they're like, oh, well, let's make you officious. That's the part you don't use. We'll just put the initial. Right. It's hard to picture him going by Melvin isn't it? It is, but at the same time, there have been some goofy-ass names. About an hour and a half north of here is a town called Nibley. Oh! I thought that was the dumbest name I'd ever heard. It is. Anytime someone would mention Nibley, my autistic brain would make me go, Nibley! Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> and it wasn't for a few years where I found out that it was actually the name of an apostle of the church. He was an apostle? Yep, yeah, Nibley. Wow. I can't even remember any of the rest of his name. I just know Nibley. Nibley. That's about it. Yeah, Nibley. Lovely jubbly Nibley. Yeah. Here in Utah, they have the weirdest fucking names for towns. And I'm sure you can probably find weird fucking names no matter where you live. There's a town, they pronounce it Hurricane. It's down in southern Utah. It's spelled Hurricane. It's like a cyclone. Right. But everybody says Hurricane. Hurricane. Why? Hurricane. I don't know. And then there's another town, they call it Manaway, but it's spelled Mantua, M-A-N-T-U-A. I think it is, but they oh, call it Manaway. Manaway. Yeah. There's a Manaway, and who's that person? Yeah, exactly. It's Joseph Smith on a mission. To get into Fanny Elger's Fanny. Fanny. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> M. M. Rosabella did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and then they called a new apostle. And who's the new apostle? Some dude from England. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a white dude. Oh, fancy that. They didn't go too far afield. He's also a convert. Oh. Which is still fairly rare. Yeah. I think Dieter Uchtdorf was the first that became a... Is he a convert too? Yeah. What goes through the mind of some of these people? Well, first and foremost, Uchtdorf and this new guy, they joined as children with their parents. So, oh. as a child getting into the church, it's just like, hey, hang out with these kids and they're friendly. You know, that's the only appeal to it. And then you become a Mormon and it becomes your entire social structure and then you stay a Mormon. Most people that join as converts worldwide, like 50% of them are gone within the first year and it just keeps going. It looks like his name is Patrick Kieran and he looks a fair bit younger than his colleagues. Well, they join fairly young. Like those guys have been apostles since their 40s or 50s. The only way you retire is on your back. They die out. Which causes a problem because oh, yeah. like lots of old people have stuff like dementia right. and Alzheimer's and they're at the head of the church. So basically these people get wheel 
chilled out for conference. Weekend at Bernie style. Exactly. Weekend at Bernie style. Or they just don't appear and they basically have a caretaker until they die. Oh dear. Well, the only other news that I saw was some court cases recently. You may be talking about the recording that came out of the Kurt McConkie lawyer offering $300,000 for this person to drop the case. Okay, I hadn't heard of that. The family and the victim, they went to the church and said, my abuser admitted to his bishop what he did. Could the bishop please be allowed to testify in court? Kurt McConkie said, well, you know, we want to make this better. We'll make this right. Here's $50,000. Oh, $50,000 not enough. Well, I went back and talked to him. They said, $300,000. Is that enough? No, okay. Yeah, well, we can't have the bishop testify. We can't let him do it. And because he didn't testify, the case was thrown out. All right. And that is also combined with the fact that recently, the Arizona Supreme Court has upheld the church's ability to not have their bishops be mandatory reporters. I think that's what I read about. The church's PR guy said, we are pleased with the ruling, which sounds bad because it means we're pleased with the fact that we don't have to report sex abusers. Right. The one with the, hey, let's give you money to fuck off. The recordings have been played on the news. Oh, really? Yeah, they're out there with the lawyer saying, well, they've authorized me to offer you $300,000 to make this right. To make this right. The very simple thing that they wanted was just to go on the stand and say this wasn't right. If I'm recalling the details of the case right, the bishop was willing to. The bishop was like, yeah, I will go testify. But the church says, no, you can't. Well, they've still got some way to go. The church is slowly crumbling bit by bit. The church is crumbling. The company's doing just fine. They got billions. Isn't that bizarre? Less and less people are really invested in it. And yet somehow they keep saying it's still growing. And maybe it is growing in some other parts of the world. I don't know. And somehow... They have investments that don't seem to die. Well, another thing in Mormon news, they have just redone the guidelines on what you have to do to be able to organize a stake. Oh, tell me more. I can't because I really don't understand it. What's the upshot, though? It's unsustainable for them to make it look like the church is growing by making all these new stakes. Oh, okay. They were making new stakes, and then there wouldn't be the membership base to support it. And there has been consolidation of wards and stakes and branches worldwide. It's been happening in the United States, all over the place. It's even happened here in Utah. It was happening in England, like insane collapse of all the stakes over there because like, oh, we got people baptized and then they didn't have enough people to come in and pass sacrament or fulfill all the callings that they had. And so they had to consolidate stakes and wards so that they would have enough active membership to fill the parts. Maybe that's why they got this Patrick Kieran guy to be the new apostle. Yeah. I'm just reading here. It says he's a 62-year-old Brit who's been a general authority since 2010. I think he ran a PR firm. They actually called somebody in that had some training knowing what to say and how to say it. Okay. Which, as a general rule... They're going to need. Yeah, because, (laughs) my God, the things those men say. So many gaffes. And what do you think, Jones, about my idea where you try to elevate a Mormon potluck staple and we turn it into a podcast where you end up going on a rant? 
there'd be five or six episodes. Yeah. Mormons do not have a huge culinary tradition. Sure. It's all very basic casseroles all the way down. All levels, it's all casseroles. I don't like casseroles all that much. I prefer to have, you know, my parts separate. Well, that's why you'd elevate it. Totally up to you how you do it. I don't know how you'd elevate funeral potatoes. Those are just basically potatoes of God. This is the challenge, Jones. I reckon you could elevate funeral potatoes. No, I reckon it would just piss me off and I'd be swearing the entire time, which I suppose would probably which be fun listening as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, put it in your memory banks. I'll keep mentioning it. I think it'd be fun. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, you have become a carpenter just like Jesus, except you've been turning out some of the most amazing gay icons. Yeah. Okay, first of all, carpenter? No, this is very basic. It is well done though, Jones. It's something I've enjoyed doing. I was hoping that it would become a money-making thing. It's not, but, you know, I got a couple of friends that have asked me to make them for him and and to be clear this is a progressive pride flag right the progressive pride flag yep that's right so it's not just a simple like rainbow it's also got like a chevron in it too and then it's got the white field over on the left hand side and it's been really fun because like well no one can tear it down anymore <laughs> right that's what led to this right yes exactly it's like i'm gonna put it up there and i'm gonna nail it in they can't get this thing down i'm sure you saw it you know i had a flag still and i was like all right fuck you. I'm going to move my flag over here where you can't reach it. Well, that teenager's got a better vertical jump than I do because fucking tore that one down too. I was like, well, okay, fuck you. I'm putting a wooden flag up. I'm screwing in my house. You can't take it down. That's it. And then I made that. And then a friend was like, well, can you make me a progressive one? I was like, oh, that sounds complicated, but I'll give it a shot. And I made it. It turned out well. And then I made a couple more. And what I'd love to do is turn my garage into a workshop, which is not nice to my wife because that's where she parks her car but oh oh well <laughs> you know life's give and take i'm sure there's something you can do for her so that she can do that for you there you go well what i need to do is actually clean the garage and build workbenches that i could roll around so that when she's gone during the day i could roll it out and use her space so that when she comes home i could roll it back All right Episode 20 of Saints. Wow, we've done 20 of these. This week, they are talking a lot about that bank that wasn't really a bank, but they call it a bank anyway. They sent two people out. One, to get the charter from the government to open this bank. The other to get the printing plates to make the bank notes that would be issued. Well, the problem is the guy that went out to get the charter was denied. The other guy comes back. He's like, look, I've got these printing plates. Right. Well, we spent all these money on these plates. So what they did is they printed the notes and then they hand wrote on them. Anti before the word bank. It was all bullshit. It's just bonkers. And then like Grandison Newell apparently saved up the notes because he hated the Saints. So good on him. What a great story. But I reckon the thing would have gone bust anyway. I don't think he did much. It was a shit idea from the start. Totally. They should have called it as soon as they didn't get the go ahead. Yeah, they spent money, but they would have survived better than what they did. This is Joseph Smith just continuing to do what Joseph Smith does, Mm. which is to make a prediction and stick with it until it collapses and then moves on to the next one. His prophecy was that like the rod of Aaron, the 
banking society would swallow up all the other banks. Oh. Of course, Rod of Aaron talking about Moses's brother Aaron threw down the rod. Right. Turned into a snake and ate the rod slash snakes of all the Pharaoh's priests in Exodus. So he made this prediction. He couldn't back down. Mm. He should have backed down because the church almost completely died at that point when he made this huge prophecy and it failed within a month or two. Only it had died, Jones. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh, we came so close to killing it then. But no, it just had to keep going. You know, you can't let a good grift die, I guess. He predicted that the banking society would become the biggest thing before sliced bread. That's right. I was going to eat everybody else's cock. Yes, exactly. And not only that, he said that the saints should invest everything in this bank because this bank was basically backed up by the Lord. And then it just collapsed. One of the reasons they say that is because during the construction of the Kirtland Temple, it brought a real boon to the economy. But after that was done, the economic driver slowed down and then a whole bunch of poor brand new church converts came in. Everything was spread too thin and there just was nothing to support the bank. But Joseph Smith had still said, God supports this endeavor. He was literally using his position as the mouthpiece of God to run a business. Right. And it immediately collapsed. So all the saints were left with nothing. And and he was busy running from the law. Within the year after the collapse, he'd been arrested 17 times or something. Oh this God. guy was just a crook. It was obvious. And <laughs> I can't remember which Mormon said it. He said, basically, you could not find six people in all of Curtin that that would have sustained Joseph Smith as the prophet. You couldn't find six of them wow. because everybody was pissed off. That was certainly one of the main impetuses of the church fleeing from Kirtland because oh. all those Mormons who just lost their money and were like, wait, this is bullshit. were joining up with the people that already lived in Kirtland going, hey, these fucking Mormons are really making a mess of things. So Joseph ran. They needed new converts. Yeah. They needed a new source of grifties, victims. Grifties. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great word. I dug up that letter that Polly Pratt wrote to Joseph about how pissed off he was. Yep. <laughs> I ran the letter through ChatGPT and just told it, don't actually change anything, but fix spelling, fix capitalization, because it was really difficult to read. And I got rid of like any footnotes and stuff so that you could just read it smoothly. This is what it came up with. Kirtland, May 23, 1837. Dear brother, as it is difficult to obtain a personal interview with you at all times due to the multitude of business in which you are engaged. A.K.A. running from the law. Right, and fucking everyone's wives and just that so too. much business he was all up in. You will excuse my saying in writing what I would otherwise say by word of mouth. Having long pondered the path in which we, as a people, have been led in regard to our temporal management, <laughs> I have at length become fully convinced that the whole scene of speculation in which we have been engaged is of the devil. I allude to the covetous, extortionary, speculating 
spirit that has reigned in this place for the last season, which has given rise to lying, deceiving and taking advantage of one's neighbour and, in short, to every evil work. Wow, he's really letting him have it. Bing is fully convinced that you and President Sidney Rigdon, both by precept and example, have been the principal means in leading this people astray in these particulars. My goodness, he waffles, doesn't he? And having myself been led astray and caught in the same snare by your example and by false prophesying and preaching from your mouths. Wow, he's calling Smitty a false prophet. Well, him and everybody else had just heard the prophecy of this is a guaranteed thing. Mm-hmm. Yea, having done many things wrong and plunged myself and family and others well nigh into destruction. I wonder why he put that yay in there. He just had to sound a little bit more prophetic, didn't he? Yeah. It's very, uh... It's very Mormon. Yes. I have awoken to an awful sense of my situation and now resolve to retrace my steps and to get out of the snare and make restitution as far as I can. And now, dear brother, if you are still determined to pursue this wicked course until yourself and the church shall sink down to hell, oh, please, God, make it happen. I beseech you at least to have mercy on me and my family and others who are bound with me for those certain three lots which you sold to me at the extortionary price of $2,000, which never cost you $100, for if it stands against me, it will ruin myself and a helpless family, as well as those bound with me. Yesterday, President Ringdon came to me and informed me that you had drawn the money from the bank on the obligation you hold against me and that you had left it to the mercy of the bank and could not help whatever course they might take to collect it, notwithstanding the most sacred promise on your part that I should not be injured by giving these writings, I offered him the three lots for the writings, but he wanted my house and home also. Now, dear brother, he's got to stop saying that. At one moment, he's calling him a false prophet. On the other hand, it's like, now, dear brother. You know, it's kind of like the religious version of business speak. You know, when you're writing a business email or a business letter, even if you want to be saying, hey, fuck you and fuck. <laughs> Fuck the horse you rode in on. You're like, per our previous email on October 28th, I would like to present a counter proposal. You know, it's religious speak for, hey, fuck you, fuck Rigdon. Yeah, apparently this letter got circulated pretty widely, so yes. Mm -hmm. Now, dear brother, will you take those lots and give me up the writings and pay me the $75 which I paid you on the same, or will you take advantage of your neighbor because he is in your power. If you will receive this admonition from one who loves your soul, you could just say loves you, mm. and repent of your extortion and covetousness in this thing and make restitution, you have my fellowship and esteem as far as it respects our dealings between ourselves. But if not, I shall be under the painful necessity of preferring charges against you for extortion, covetousness, mm -hmm. and taking advantage of your brother by an undue religious influence. Yep. For it is <laughs> this kind of influence which led us to make such 
kinds of trades in this society, such as saying it was the will of God that lands should bear such a price, and many other prophesyings, preachings, and statements of a like nature. Yours with respect. What respect? Parsley Pratt. Prattle on, Parsley. <laughs> Parley P. Pratt. P.S. Do not suppose for a moment that I lack any confidence in the Book of Mormon or Doctrine of Covenants. How could he possibly not have some misgivings? Nay, it is my firm belief in those records that hinders my belief in the course we have been led of late. This guy was just mad and all over the place, just like Smitty. Yeah, it sounds like he was like, no, I still believe, but man, I want my money back. Right. There were plenty of other people like, hey, this guy's a false prophet. Everything he has said is complete bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess he was not one of them. Yeah, he did say that they were false prophecies from him. That, to me, means false prophet. It was more of he was a fallen prophet, as like oh. he used to be a prophet, but his current actions are showing him to be a fallen prophet. Not that everything he said has been fake, but that he is somehow not right with the Lord or something. Right. And somehow he managed to get convinced to go back. A lot of them did. He's got parsley for brains. Mm-hmm. Parley, come on. <laughs> fucker. Speaking of fucker. Oh, yes, right. So I've heard it said that Fanny Alger was like 16. Yes. I can't see how that could possibly be. Be more likely 19. Let's see. So she was born in 1816. I'm showing 1817. Oh, okay. But... It ended in 1836, apparently, when her parents moved to Missouri. So that's when they sort of separated. Which would mean that when it ended, she would have been 19. Or 20, depending on when she was born. Right. I found a timeline. 1932 looks like it may have been when it started. They would put her at 16, if that's the case. Yeah. They say mid-1830s. They don't have a specific date. I suspect she was probably older than 16 because I don't think they were together very long at all like less than a year or a year and then that was it they moved but we don't know for sure she was living in the smith household yeah as a maid it's funny because the lds church based their claim that joseph and her were married on a number of letters and third-hand accounts something like 40 years later it probably never happened hey it most likely never happened apparently the only way she ever got added to a list of his wives was one of his other wives just added her into a list that she was compiled but I don't think there's any official documents of it anywhere. Here's a pro-Mormon site saying, Although undocumented, the marriage of Fanny and Joseph most likely took place in Kirtland, Ohio sometime in 1833, which would have put her at 16. But here's a different site that's saying sometime in late 35 or early 36, in a priesthood ceremony performed by Levi Hancock, Joseph secretly married Fanny Alger. In that case, she would have been 18 or 19. They can't get their story straight. It was something that he was hiding from his wife yeah fits the definition of an affair oh yeah what is really fucked up is that her parents stuck with the saints and even went to utah with them i know it sounds like she had a nice life after that though she married some dude had nine kids and is buried next to him and became a universalist well that's a hell of a lot better than many many religions i know i wonder what the universalist church was like back then like was it as wishy-washy as it is now like 
<laughs> I haven't studied much about the church. All I know is the universalist is like, yeah, sure, yeah, everybody. Sure, everyone. Which for me, I'm like, no, nobody. I don't want to go to that. You believe in everything? Well, I believe in nothing. So you have fun over there. Yeah. <laughs> they have no contemporary sources. They have third, fourth, fifth hand accounts by people that weren't there at the time. Right. So this is why it's actually kind of true when they say we don't know a lot. I'd be willing to bet that there's plenty of actual sources that the church is just not letting out. Ooh, buried sources. Well, yeah, they have a vault up Little Cottonwood Canyon or Big Cottonwood Canyon. One of the Cottonwood Canyons just up in Salt Lake. (laughs) where It is literally a vault built into the side of a mountain where they keep historical artifacts. That's where they kept the seer stone. i got to Google this. Yeah. The vault is a large archive and is excavated 600 feet into the north side of Little Cottonwood Canyon. Holy shit. It's like something out of Fallout 4. Yeah dug into a mountain and they keep all the records there. They're saying to keep them safe, but they're keeping them there so people don't have access to them. Microfilm masters occupy 60% of granite mountain space. Features a dry environment control facility used for long-term record storage, as well as administrative offices, shipping and receiving docks, a processing facility, and a special room that everyone can fuck in. (laughs) That was a joke. The vault boasts the world's largest collection of family history information. There is also a 33,000-gallon reservoir of natural spring water. Look at that. They seem more and more like Scientologists all the time. I don't watch Rick and Morty but there was a character on there that was a Scientologist and Rick, the main character, told them to stop being a space Mormon. A space Mormon. There's a lot of similarities, at least as far as the world is concerned, between the Scientologists and the Mormons. Yeah, sure is. Well, that's probably enough on Fanny Alger. There was only one other thing that I wanted to talk about. There was a clip there where they banged on about, oh, but good things were happening too. A time with such amazing miracles they called them were happening and I'm like really? You talk about missionaries going overseas and converting people and you're calling that a miracle. Come on now. Yeah okay the miracle is that the people were so fucking desperate their lives were so horrible and destitute Mm -hmm. that when they were told that Mormonism accepted all and no of course we don't have polygamy don't believe those rumors says John Taylor as he's got four wives back home. Oh really? Oh yeah he put out a pamphlet that straight up denied Mormons practice polygamy and he was a practicing polygamist himself. Oh my god. They were sold a false bill of goods. During the Nauvoo days, they came and it was a fucking swamp. But it was even worse when they got here to Utah. They were stuck way out in the middle of fucking nowhere with no money, no connections. They were basically trafficked. Mm. People don't think about it very often, but the early church was full of human trafficking. People were lied to, brought thousands of miles from where they were born and raised, and were then put to work. Whether that work was building Nauvoo, or whether that work was going off on the Mormon battalion marches, or whether that work was laying on your back and making babies for Brigham Young. It was human trafficking. That's what started the Mormon church. I mean, my wife has 
ancestors that came from England that converted, moved over here, and then were stuck. And so they became Mormon. There was no other choice. Yeah. Got to turn lemons into lemonade. All right. The potato famine in Ireland was from 45 to 52. I'm sure that would be classified by the hosts of saints as a miracle because that whole Christian trope that you have to be brought low so that God can speak to your heart. No, you have to be brought low so you're desperate enough to buy the bullshit that somebody's selling. That's right. And that would be funeral potatoes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to getting through every single one of these episodes, trying to tear them a new one. I just want to buy that fucking temple. I just want to see this church fail. It may not happen, but... Uh, It's going to diminish until it's just a real estate company. It's pretty much that already. (laughs) Yeah, like they claim 17 million. If you compare that to the almost 9 billion people that live on this planet, it's less than 0.01% of the population. It's pretty low. It's only big when you are in it. If you're looking at it from the outside, it is a tiny, dinky, insignificant piece of shit. I had a call the other day. It's always about the interesting things that people reveal when they put their answers to security questions. He just put religion. I'm like, is that a question? No, thank you. And his response was, ah, Latter-day Saint. And I said to him, where does the hyphen go? (laughs) Because... Yes, exactly. And he didn't even know what I'm talking about. I said, you should look that up. It'll blow your mind. And I had to know where the hyphen went because I can't see the answer. If I type it in wrong, I'm not going to be able to get him into his account. <laughs> right. If it's ladder space day and space saint, then it, yeah. So I had to have this conversation with him for his own good, telling him about the hyphen in Latter Day Saint that he didn't even know about. He was probably cafeteria Mormon or something. Well, if he's an Aussie, he's far enough removed from it that's probably very easy to be like that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> his next question was what's your favorite food and i said oh it's probably one of those mormon pot like meals right and i don't think he even heard what i said i couldn't help myself yeah anyway thanks for spending some time going over saints no problem and i will talk to you again soon jones it seems like you're doing really really well <laughs> i'm trying catch you later all right well take it easy patience talk to you later bye bye my new normal